Hello, hello, hello. You're welcome to the Startup Lagos Podcast, a podcast dedicated to highlighting the bubbling scene of the growing startup community of the city of Lagos. And I'm your host, Olumide Olainka. And if you'd like to subscribe to the show, join us on SoundCloud, iTunes, RSS, at startuplagos.co. I, I was in Covenant University along with every single one of my co-founders. So I've, I've known them for over eight years now. And uh, some of them graduated in 2012 and I graduated in 2013. And we had all kind of lost touch, but we were friends. And it, after graduating, I didn't have any money because there's this kind of culture shock that you experience between your time in private school and your time in real world. And we see students like to say it's a lie, but it's not, it's not a lie. I didn't have anything, and then I was trying to get a job. And I attended an interview that I had passed, but the Nigerian factor was there, and I didn't get a job because the job was offered to someone who had uh, better connections than me. I have to point out now that I got with a first-class degree, so I really expected to get that job. So I also had that new graduate entitlement to go with everything. So I was on my way back from an interview from a job I didn't get, and Somto, who is actually our CEO, leaned out of the window and called me. And I entered. I'm like, I didn't even know he lived in my estate. And then he spoke to me about a startup he was working on at the time. So, and that became my job from that day. And after a while, it was a discount platform where we issued cards to businesses and businesses gave their client cards and those cards gave people discounts and we called it Paroles. So I worked there and then we realized though that Nigeria was not ready for that kind of thing. People were denying their clients discounts and stuff like that. It was a whole thing. <laughs> and, and, and so... Um, because I, and while I was working there, I'd been constantly, constantly, constantly applying for jobs, and I still didn't get one. And then I kept complaining to Somto. And then one day in the middle of the night, he sent me a link, and the link was for push CV. And I'm like, what is this? And then he told me, ah, let's start writing CVs for people. I mean, you know, like one of the big problems about why people are not getting good jobs is that they don't have CVs. So, yeah, at the time, we started writing CVs for people, and then... I and him started working on Push CV in addition to what we were working on before. And so before we knew it, Push CV had gathered up to 10,000 users and people were now starting to ask us, after you write the CV, can you send it out for jobs, to, um, for, jobs for us? And we're like, I mean, you know, sure, like if you can pay for it. And then they started to pay. So we, and all of this time, we were still bootstrapping. We were doing it with our own money. Like, and it was a very little money, but we were managing because the office was just right below our apartment. So there was not a lot of expenses. And one day we were looking through the internet and we saw an ad from Lead Path Accelerator. We applied. Didn't expect to get a call, but we did. And we went to Mr. Alumide's office and we quickly put together a team. So it was I, Somtos, two co-founders on his startup currently. We went for the meeting and... Mr. Olumide, who is still our investor till today, really like, was really like, interested in the team. And then he asked all of us, did any of you study HR? Like, no. I did computer engineering, some did mechanical engineering, so the remaining two people did computer science. Like, how are you going to hack this? So we, we just told him, look, and this is the thing that I really believe, that if you want to understand the subject because you're passionate about it, 
you will get it. I became passionate about labor and empowerment, same as Sumto, simply because we saw what was happening. Our parents had the luxury of being taught the stock exchange, uh, being taught about insurance. After the stock market crashed, my dad never mentioned the stock market to me again. So till today, I still don't know how to invest in anything. And I think that's a real shame. And so that's what we told him. And Mr. Lumide told us that they were going to invest in us. And then Sumto decided, look, we need more people. Like four was not enough. So we called uh, Terry. Uh, Terry is our product officer who was working at a multinational then. Come join us. And then we also called uh, another girl who was working as an accountant. She had a master's to come and be our CFO because young people have financial excesses. And so that was how we started. And we, we, were, we were seven at the time, right? And so we started push CV like that. Mr. Lumide gave us 25000 Super exciting. Never seen that amount of money in my life. So I was like, it was great. And we started to grow push CV, grew it, grew it, grew it. But the growth was still slow. Now, the thing that like, I think is really important when you are starting something is that when you have passion, I think you will hack it. That's where, look, Tola's entire presentation is really just like a roadmap for you if you want to become a startup founder. Because if there is no passion, there were times, there, there are still times where I just feel like, look, I'm just going to leave this thing and go and get a job. Because it, it's really hard. And even with funding behind you, there's a lot of hurdles you cannot cross. We worked on Push CV, seven of us, for eight months. And our users did not increase more than like 5K between when we got funding and eight months after. Even though we told our investors, oh, look, in eight months' time, we'll be at 100K. And so by the t from uh, when we, we got funding in August of 2014, by February of 2015, we were still at about 25K users. And we kept on, and we had been touting ourselves as Jobberman Skillers. So we really had to do something. And that was when we all decided to have like a brainstorming session, which we learned from Silicon Valley people. And we sat down in a room until we figured out something we called the Early Employee Quest which we organized in 2015 and helped us grow from 25K users to over a million users in four weeks. So, <laughs> and it, it, it was, it, it, it's one of the biggest things that we've ever done, all of us, and it was super impressive. And it came with a lot of problems, customer service problems and all of that. So around that time, that's where we started fundraising. That was my first experience with actual real fundraising because Mr. Lumide was kind of like our big brother. He really took us under his wing. And Push TV itself raised about 200K from angel investors. Like he mentioned, friends, family, you know, all those people. So Mr. Lumide gathered a team of super great angel investors who believed in the team. And look, your product needs to be great, but your team needs to be solid. If your team is not solid, the product is going to fizzle out. You, you can go to many websites and check. If your product is great and your team is not solid, one of them is going to cancel the other out and you are left with zero. So after that, we raised 200K and started growing. And like typical people, 200K dollars, yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> come on. <laughs> and so we started, and because we, it came with many problems, we started to hire. And then like, we hired so many people and we run our own money. Like, <laughs> that's where the funding gap thing you were talking about. You basically told our story because we ran out of money and then we were left with ourselves again. Do you understand? So we basically went back to zero in a year, a year and a half. 
So in that time, uh, one of our founders uh, kind of uh, decided to pursue another business outside of the Kine. It was very amicable. He still works from really near us, but we became six on that journey. And then he's back again, so we're seven again. Like, this, this is... <laughs> but the, the, what I'm trying to point out, though, is the, the perseverance that needs to come, uh, come with the startup life, right? When we ran out of money, that was towards the end of the year. I, did, I didn't know what I was going to tell my parents who had been pushing for a master's. And it was the same for all of us. Our parents had been, so what are you going to do next? And I'm telling them, no, I'm building this thing. And then I, was, I, I didn't have anything to build with. Do you understand? So we started to use our own money again. And the thing about it is, at the end of 2015, by that time, when we started to rebuild, we now started rebuilding with a lean team. And that's why anybody from Shopify will tell you, a lean team is one of the most important things that you can think about. Save your money. Like, if you don't absolutely need to hire this person for this role, if your team will not implode, if you don't hire this person, don't hire that person. That's an expense that you're going to regret later. Right? So... When we started to, we started rebuilding, and by the end of 2016, we were kind of great. And, but what we started to notice was, of all this multitude of users we had on Push CV, after you get them jobs, they're no longer your clients, right? How do you keep these people? I, one of the things that I don't want to do is amass this number of users and then just get them jobs, and then they just become not my user anymore. That was really where the idea of Piggy Bank came from. It came from that and the fact that us as personal people were also not saving properly, right? So we decided, okay, so when you get these people jobs, how can you make sure that they have a better quality of life than when you, that like, you know, after you give them the job, right? The thing about it is Nigeria is a very difficult place. If you have, if you're a graduate who just got a job, chances are you want to move out of your parents' house, yeah? You want to transport yourself to work. You want to go to the cinema every week. All of these things with your 70 to 100K salary, so it's important that you save. So on December, 20, on December 31st, when people on Twitter were celebrating breaking uh, wooden boxes, we decided, okay, how can you digitize this process? How can you make this process even more scalable? And so that's how we built Piggy Bank. And the story of Piggy Bank is very familiar to many people because it basically played out on Twitter. And uh, after that, people kept on coming like, okay, I, I've, I have a job, but I want, I want a side gig but I don't have the money for a website. How can I do this? And that's where the idea of front desk came from. Now, in between all of this, I want to point out that, like, I don't really, if you don't have, like, a large team like ours, I don't really advocate that you go into many things at once. Because one of the issues we've had with investors is, um, are you doing anything else? And then we're really, you know, you, you can't say no. Do you get? Cause, and then that also implies to the investor that, like, you're not focused. So what we did was, at the end of the day, we spun out all these products into different companies, and each a set of founders took one under their wing and started to build. So that's where we are at today. So yeah, when we registered, when we tried to register for saving. We were not allowed to register because of CV, and none of us had an HR certification. So we had to register another name, which was lucky for us, because it ended up being like the name we use for different things. So Shapaya basically owns all of each company. You get so all the investors we've had so far have invested in Shapaya. Till today, Piggy Bank as a company has not raised any money. 
the last investment we raised was the 200k that we raised for push seedling you understand so right now piggy bank is a standalone company 100 percent owned by shafai so do you want to talk about specific things in that fundraising process? And just how did you start yourself to having the corporate space? Also, how do you guys decide what ideas you want to do? Have you just looked at what else is? Okay, so the fundraising process for Mr. Olumide was basically us going there as really green people. Mr. Olumide's lead path then was really geared at uh, people like us. You, have, you don't have a lot of experience in this space, but you want to do this. So it was more like a teaching process. So when we told him the idea, he told us his own ideas for how we could grow it, and we were in agreement. So the, the early stage process is usually like, do you vibe with this person? Like, are you people on the same page? Do you guys agree about where you're going with this product? Like, like later stage investors are more like, okay, take money and grow. The early stage people are people who you see almost every day who ask you, so what are you doing with this particular problem? Like, they really go granular. So in that, that day in Mr. Lumide's office, he asked us, how many CVs have you written? Who writes the CVs? Like, those kind of questions. By the time we were right, getting our later stage investment, we didn't get that kind of question again. And for like the, between the time we got the 25k and the time we got the 200k, I, we were seeing Mr. Lumide every day, like reporting to him. If you didn't see him, you speak to him on WhatsApp, you speak to him on Blackberry, like and just let him know. Okay, so today this is what we did today. So the process of early stage investment is you have to be really careful who you get in bed with because they are like your. It's like growing up your childhood, like that's your formative year in like startup world. So you have to be really careful, pick them well, because they really go deep into your business, and if you don't have a great relationship, you will ruin your product. So like, the, it's really about the vibe. Like, do you guys get along? Do you guys agree? Do, can they see your vision? Can you see theirs? That kind of thing. That, that's how the uh, early stage um, was. But for the later stage, it was more like, okay, so people have taken a bet on you. Did you pay off for them? And uh, for us, it did. And so we were able to easily convince the next set of people, look, guys, we've done this so far. Uh, this person has given us money. You can see, like, what his money that he gave us then is worth now. And this is what we hope to do for you. And all of those things are really integral. At that time, we hadn't really got experience with financial models and stuff. So it was really more about, like, how can you sell yourself as a person? So, you know, you just push yourself forward, like, oh, yeah, I got a first-class degree in computer engineering. I understand product engineering. I understand operations. I understand this. What of him? He has built this. He has built that. He has built that. He has sold this. So we're really more like really selling the team. Now, at this stage, is where now that your operation and, like, your, the, the knowledge, the high-level knowledge really comes to play. Do you have a business plan? Do you have a financial model? Do you, get, do you have an executive summary? Now, we're in 2017 now, so, like, all those 2014 things don't really apply anymore. You have to have all these things before you can go to an investor. They will ask you, what numbers are you projecting for 2019? If you don't readily have those things, like, I, I don't know. Kola, would you give them? Because, like, I, I don't know. Cause I, everybody I've spoken to, I went on the pitch drive. Everybody was like, so, in 2019, what do you think Piggy Bank will be saving? And all of those numbers, those Excel sheet, that Excel sheet knowledge, Microsoft Word is really important for when you now like want to raise at this particular time. Nigeria is really growing with the startup world, with the technological landscape, and our investors are getting more savvy. So, like your own your coding bullshit is not going to is not going to cut it. Like no, so you really have to pull it together, and you have to have a master salesperson on your team, like someone that can really package your team together and sell it. And for how we choose products. 
would say Sumto is like the product visionary on the team. That, that's not really my strong suit. I'm, I'm the operations person, so I'm just really like a great manager. So what, he, what we do is this. When, after Push TV and Piggy, well, we had other products. We had like 99 staff. We had 500 dishes, which are like, the, the website are on, but like these, the products are like defunct. Because we decided, okay, we think that like people would want this. We went out, did a beta test. People did want it. Like we chose... We usually choose startups targeted towards people between the ages of 18 and 14 because that's the demographic that we want to work with. So when people say you're not focused, I, we really try to explain to them, like, I don't see it as the businesses, I see it as the age group. What do they need? What does this market need? So that's the thing that we started working with. So they need jobs, give them jobs. They need to save, give them savings. They need side gigs because Nigeria is difficult, give them that. So we wanted 99 staff, they want to outsource businesses, give them that. Like, people here don't like to cook anymore. They want to order food. Give them that. But, like, the thing that, that's how we pick. So, we pick real problems in the demographic. But the thing I, like, really want to point out is when it isn't working, when it actually isn't working, don't be afraid to close it and stop it, like, and do something else. Right? Yeah. Piggy Bank is an autom. I, I feel like they know Piggy Bank. Like, do you so guys? No, no, no. I'm so heartbroken. Jesus. Okay, okay. Piggybank.ng is an automated savings platform that allows you to save periodically, daily, weekly, or monthly until you reach a savings target. So we have an Android app. We have an iPhone app. You can just log in, uh, decide you want to save hundred naira daily, a thousand naira weekly, five thousand naira monthly. And the, it start, you just add your card and it starts to debit you. When you reach your target, you can withdraw your money. We also have four fixed withdrawal days in a year where you can take out your money for free. But because we are actually trying to help you save, if you try to withdraw outside of your four quarterly withdrawal dates, you'll be charged a 5% early withdrawal fee of the amount you want to take out. We've been around since April 2016 and we've been doing pretty good, I think. Thank you. to say per se but here's the deal wow no 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 no. okay so we i we've gotten that kind of question before no it's not a ponzi scheme we don't give you magical interests your with the interests are like very similar to uh commercial bank interest just a little higher while commercial bank commercial banks will offer you about three three point five annually we are able to offer you six percent because we have partnerships with all of the banks and they're able to give us favorable rates so yeah I know. I just think you should like go for your dreams if you want to start a startup. It's really hard, mostly thankless, but like the rewards are pretty okay, I guess.
was valid. I, I'm not going to take that away. It was yeah, valid. They, they have since focused. You know, they have since focused on this really hard and those things, I mean, because one key question I always ask is, what else are you working on? And the moment I hear something else, I, I just, I'm not depressed. You know, except your child bio, Elon Musk, or <laughs> a random person. <laughs> Sorry, just to point out, now each founder can say, I am not working on anything and anything else. And it's important that you get to that point, right? Before, we were saying, no, 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 we're running other things. But since we actually kind of separated, you take this product and work on it. Like, everybody else makes the decision. But who is actively working on it? That would be me. Like, I'm working actively on Piggy Bank. Uh, Terry, our product person, actively works on front desk. And we have people running push CV. And so when you ask me, are you actively working on something else? I can tell you no, because I'm only working on Piggy Bank. So yeah. So the investor wanted to come into just Piggy Bank. Is that possible? Yeah, it is. It is. It's a wholly like separate company. <laughs> You're welcome. We're still we're taking people. We'll always be risen, you know. So we finished the first half of this fantastic session. Is everyone enjoying it? Can we give a round of applause? Thank you. So now we're going into a more exciting part. We're going to do a mock fundraising pitch. So Femi and Oma are going to pitch two separate companies to our wonderful investor. And at the end, you guys are going to judge who you think should get the money. Are you ready? So let's get ready a little bit. Let me introduce you. Is it competition? Now it is. Oh, okay. Let me give this to you. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. So, guys, you just need to imagine this is a closed room. There's a window right here. And we're peering in as to what's going on. So, you guys should role play. Who role play? Welcome in here. I'll find water. I'll go in the diary. Hi, Colin. Nice to meet you. Yeah, I'm working on a company called Suba. So we are Uber for Suya. Uh, yeah, so effectively what we do is you bring out your mobile phone, click on a button, and we bring Suya to you, wherever you are in Lagos. Yeah, so we've... Yeah. Suya. So suya is like, a, you know, cured barbecued meat with uh, nice spices on top. I actually brought some suya with me. We can, you can try it. Yeah, we can try it afterwards. It depends on how this meeting goes. Of course, of course. <laughs> if you write us a check. So, so how long have you been working on this? So we've been working on suba for the last um, uh, nine months. So we launched in Lagos. Uh, we've built our mobile app. It's up on the Play Store. Right now we have... 2,000 downloads. We've done about 3,000 deliveries since we launched nine months ago. How many of those uh, deliveries are uh, So about 40% of those deliveries are repeat users. So a typical user comes in and then usually tends to make an order once every two weeks or so. Yeah. So yeah. So before the app, if you wanted Suya, you would have to, you know, you know, you wake up, you get that craving for some good meat, spicy meat. You stand up, open the door, walk out, have to look around for, you know, a suya guy on the street. And then after ordering the suya, you, you know, you have some concerns about the hygiene around the suya. You know, re recently there was that, the whole concern around Ebola. And people were even scared that, you know, the meat from suya was from bats, which were known to pass Ebola. So that's usually how people used to order suya before. So you'd got to get out, try and find a suya guy around. And
and something done on the street. But our soya is hygienic, hygienically packed. We make sure it's sourced from um, very hygienic, you know, butchers and suya makers, and then it's delivered to you at the convenience of your home. So we don't do this. So we don't do the suya ourselves. No, no, we don't do the suya ourselves. So we, uh, we have a couple of vendors who we have vetted and, you know, made sure that they're going through a process of providing hygienic um, but also tasty suya that we can deliver. So right now it's, um, so right now it's the core team is about three people, two co-founders and a salesperson. So myself, I handle the business side, and I have a technical co-founder who does the coding. And then we just recently hired a salesperson to try and help us. Primarily sales, he, tried, he does mostly two things. First of all, helps us on the online sales piece and offline sales to try and get, get new users. And then he also helps us sign up the uh, bike delivery people who would actually do the delivery of the suya. Because we have to handle the delivery component of that because that's a you know, value proposition. Yeah. So we charge people a percentage of the um, price of the suya that they deliver, or that they get delivered. Yeah, plus, plus a delivery. Yeah, plus a delivery charge depending on the distance. So there's some locations that we can do delivery for free, and we just take a percentage. But if you're further out, we you know charge a little bit extra. The reason why we're doing that is because we're trying to. So there are some companies that do something similar, like Jumia Food or so, um, but they put a delivery charge on every delivery, even if the center is close by. But we basically took that out as a sort of a value proposition. And we feel that we can make the difference in terms of the volumes that we get when we get new people signing up. So over, well, over the last three months we've been, um, so growth was quite slow initially, um, but I think it allows because we're spending time trying to figure out who our target customer was and trying to figure out how to target marketing to them. Um, but over the last three months, we've really you know, come into our own. So over the last three months, we've been growing at roughly around 90% um, month on month, averaged out for the last three months. Yeah, it's primarily, um, it's two things. So it's a mixture of, we instituted a, um, uh, a suya discount uh, or we call it the share the suya program. So basically, what it means is, we're, you know, some people are saying we should change it to share the spice, but you know, we're not very sure if we'll do that. Share the spice, share the suya is fine. Okay. Um, so basically, what share the suya does is, um, if you are a super user, you could basically, if you get a friend of yours to download the app and make an order we give you 50% off on your next, next year order. Yeah, like a referral system, basically. So that's been very successful. It's driven it a lot. Um, we built it in such a way that it, we make it easy to share that code on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those kind of social media apps that people tend to use. So we also make it such that, you know, after you, you know, make an order, you can, then we started, sorry, the second part is we then started a very interesting marketing program where, you know, after you made an order on Suba, you, you took a picture with the Suba and then hashtagged it, you know, hashtag Suba, that kind of thing, you know, show the suya on the newspaper and everything. So that's, that's driven growth quite heavily. Yeah, so, um, yes, we've worked on this for the last three months. So our, our acquisition cost tends to come in 
around on average because it varies on the type of customer that we get uh, acquisition to paid which is what we're tracking so we do get people who download the app but some might make not make orders immediately but they just want to have it on their phones but we don't really track that so we're focused on tracking people who you know download the app and then make an order yeah so our acquisition cost on that comes in around it comes in around 700 naira so a typical order is something about 400 naira um, our own cut our own cut of that we're able to make something around 100 naira per person between 100 to 250 per person so we make the money back typically within seven orders yes so our our no, so our break-even is about seven orders. So for the most active users, they usually make seven orders within the space of two months. For those who might not be as active, they can make seven orders within like three, four months or so. So, so it sounds to me like this is a you know, problem that some people have. Yes, like yes. How, it's how serious how, you know, a lot of people need their suya. How, how, yeah. how good can this really get? I, it doesn't strike me as a big pressing problem. Yeah, It's, it's a good question. And um, the thing is that the market for suya consumption in Nigeria is massive. Like, suya is one of the staple snacks that Nigerians, you know, spend a lot of time eating. Nigerians love their suya. It's nothing as good as well-spiced meat. Um, so that in itself is a big market. Um, I don't really have estimates. Because of the data, you know, access to data, I don't have estimates to how big that market is. But one thing that we're looking at is the suya market itself is quite large. But also remember the fact that we're not just suya delivery people. We're essentially building an infrastructure for the delivery of snacks on demand. So you're building this on-demand technology infrastructure that we can use not just for suya, might be able to use it for like drinks, you know, um, chin-chin, puff-puff, all those other kind of snacks as well that people need on demand. Yeah, exactly. So those are those are on our roadmap. But we feel that, like, you know, if we can nail down on-demand delivery of suya, like, we can extend that technology, vertically integrate that into other things as well. Yeah. So we really want to focus right now on figuring out how to deliver perfectly spiced suya within a particular time frame to an individual. So we think for us to figure that out, the technology, and then scale that, might take us anything between 18 to 24 months. So we're looking at, say, three years from now, three years plus, we can begin to start expanding that. But at the same time, within those two years, the suya market itself alone is, is quite sizable. Um, so, because they're selling. So the <laughs> thing is, I had to come here to try and be here. Yeah, I had to be here to, to, for this meeting, but, you know. Yeah. But, you know, the other guys had to go sign up our users and stuff. <laughs> We've had this meeting, but so he's what he's one of the investors in Cancun, by the way. So we've had this meeting multiple times. We can't disclose. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm not. We are not working on any other ideas. We're not working on any other ideas. Um, why suya? That's a good question. Um, I actually used to, in my free time, when I went to school, you know, in my free time, I would actually make suya in school. Yeah, yeah, I used to be like a suya guy. So you know suya. I know good suya, like really good suya, yeah. So did I did bring some. Well, yeah, after the check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I brought some complimentary suya for you. Like, I'm sure you'll like the taste. Um, so I, I have a lot of experience in making suya, and that's why. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. So so far we've done so far we've done a total of about um, eight hundred. Uh, 800,000 naira in sales in like gross sales that's money that comes to us in the past in the past nine months since launch but most of that picked up over the last like four or five months we're projecting that by the end of the year we should be able to hit about 1.5 million in you know net sales yeah that comes to us at the end of next year hopefully that money we can double down and then once we complete our investment round also really push hard we're looking to 10x that by the end of next year. So looking to do something around 15 million Naira in, um, in uh, net revenue on CSLs. So, yeah, so that's net. So that's what comes to us like after. So we, I mean, we just don't bother counting what the full gross value is. So because the team is very lean and then we pay the user, the, the bike men per delivery. Right now, totally, we're burning around uh, 400,000 a month or so. Yeah. So we're looking right now. We're looking to raise. Uh, we're looking to raise half a million dollars at a valuation of two million dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. We feel you know the as I said, the CEO market is 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 massive. The CEO market alone is massive. Um, we can definitely do well over those numbers within the next two three years. And then, as I said, the technology infrastructure that we're building can easily be expanding to a lot of other things. Yeah, sure. So we don't have any investors right now. It's essentially been bootstrapped between myself and you know my co-founders. We don't like to spend a lot of time fundraising because it's very distracting. You know, I could be out there, you know, figuring out how to sell more suya. Um, not that spending time with you is waste, is waste or anything like that. But we just we bootstrapped up till now, and then the reason why we're doing a sizable raise like this is because we just want to go out and then raise this money and then massively scale before doing another. Okay. 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 Well, that's that's fine. I mean, we'll definitely still be alive much after eight weeks. I think the other qu I had some questions for you if you have time. The primary question that I had is um, the first question was actually your process, which you've answered. A question that I have for your investee companies: Is there anything that you offer apart from just the money? You know, is there anything that you th that you tend to provide for your portfolio companies? <laughs> I think one big focus that's um, for us going forward is also beginning to control a bit more of the chain in terms of supplying our vendors good beef. Um, so I don't know if, it, you know, as a company or as an investor, you have any connections in, you know, the beef industry that we can sort of leverage on as well. That would be helpful. Okay. So one thing we've noticed is that it, one... 
what helps our vendors provide very good meat is the quality, very good sears, the quality of the beef that they get. So we want to spend time helping them find good quality beef as well. So it would be helpful if we had investors who were able to get us connections in that space so we could connect our vendors with those kind of stuff. Fantastic. We actually don't have a board right now. Yeah, it's very scrappy. Yeah, small set of people. Um, I'll have to discuss that with my co-founders. It's not really something that we spend time thinking about. But, I mean, I'm sure it's something during the eight-week conversation that we can continue talking about. It's a pleasure to meet you, Kola. I'll, I'll leave the suya behind. <laughs> Please don't copy my idea. Just make sure we get our equity here. We came up with the idea here. Thank you. So, Kola, do you want to quickly comment on that? And then we'll open it up to questions for everyone. I know everyone's eager to ask. Have the app on your phone. Cool. Can we get another round of applause, everyone? Thank you so much. One last one. one, last one. And they're just things you can Google. They're very, very online. Very, a lot of people have written about them. So a lot of, because it's a good point that he mentioned. I, it just occurred to me that a lot of the things that were mentioned there might not be intuitive or straightforward, like CAC or LTV. If you're looking for helpful resources, there is a, an entire guide written by Sam Altman. Sam Altman is the president of the y, y Combinator Group. So it's basically how to start a startup. I think that's the title of it, how to start a startup. So how to start a startup is just basically everything you need to know about starting a startup. The key premise behind it is this is the information you need for a startup, 
But the good fallout from that is if you're able to, it, it gives you a lot of information that investors will also want to know and explains all these terms like, you know, CAC, LTV, VCs, seed funding, runway, Series A, Series B, all those kind of. So I think that's a good, that's a good guide for everyone to start from. Thank you for joining us. Stay tuned to our next episode. Subscribe to us at Startup Lagos on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Visit us at www.startuplagos.co.